0: Grace, mercy, and peace be unto you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text for today is from St. Luke, 2nd chapter. Simeon took Jesus up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, you are now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation that you have prepared in the presence of all peoples. Dear friends of Christ, uh, as you know, today is Groundhog Day. And uh, but you probably didn't know that Groundhog Day came from 16th century Germany, and instead of a groundhog, uh, it all started with with a badger. But when they came to America, there weren't there weren't any badgers, so the ground there were plenty of groundhogs though. And so uh uh another thing you don't know about ground groundhog's day is during the 60-year period that we've been celebrating Groundhog Day, uh Positani Phil has only been right 28% of the time. and But it hasn't stopped people from gathering to celebrate Groundhog's Day. Uh, usually about 10 to 15,000 people show up uh, to celebrate this and then to find out you know, uh, what Phil is going, what prediction he's going to do annually. But this day... On Groundhog Day, I want you to see something different though. I want you to see the presentation of our Lord and focus on that. This is the day that Christ was circumcised. He stepped into the temple. It was one of the minor festivals of the church year. And on the 40th day after a child was born, he was by the custom of the Old Testament law to be presented to the high priest in the temple. Uh, So that God would call that firstborn boy His own and claim Him as holy. So according to our Old Testament lesson, our our epistle lesson, and our gospel lesson, we're going to learn that Jesus is holy and He steps into the temple as our holy God as we consider our theme, prophet, priest, and king supreme. Our Old Testament talks about Jesus' prophet. Uh, Here we find King Samuel, and he's writing about his parents, uh, Elkanah and Hannah. They weren't able to have a child. She was barren, and she was quite disturbed about all that. She went to the temple to pray, and she prayed, Lord of armies, if you will look at my misery and remember me and give me a boy. Then I'll give him to you for as long as he lives. Well, the Lord blessed Hannah with her boy. And then she told her husband, I'm going to wait until the boy is weaned. Then I'm going to bring him into the presence of the Lord. And he'll stay in the presence of the Lord forever. Talking about sending his boy uh, Samuel to the temple. And of course, there Samuel grew up in the temple. Now, it's this temple that Jesus entered. It's the temple of the Lord, that Jesus might dwell in the presence of God forever. Now, Malachi, who later wrote in the Old Testament, um, said that the Lord predicted, made a prophecy, that the Lord would suddenly come into his temple, that God's going to appear, and he's going to enter that second temple. Now, When Malachi predicted Jesus coming, uh, the people of the old Israel was less than impressed, you see, because Solomon had built the first temple. And the first temple, magnificent. I mean, this is an incredible building. You could see it from miles away. When you got there, you were impressed with the power of God, the glory of God, uh, the wealth of the nation. Unfortunately, it was later destroyed by the Babylonians. And the prophet Malachi lived in a time and wrote in a time when they worshipped in what was called the second temple. Not nearly as impressive. And the dedication of the second temple did not have all the pomp and circumstance that the dedication of the first had had. And at the first temple, if you remember, the, the presence of God showed up in a cloud and His glory filled the temple. And and people were amazed. The presence of the Lord didn't even show up for the dedication of the second temple. In fact, the Bible says that people were weeping. It was a second temple that Mary brought Jesus into. This second temple. See, many in Israel thought the glory years of Israel were long past. They talked about You know, the good old the good old days. And there were many who thought they were done. They lived now in the military occupation of Rome. And in this time of confusion and doubt, would God send the Messiah? Would God keep his promise? Would Israel have its day again? Mary brought Jesus into the temple. And at the dedication of the first temple, big things happened. The glory of God filled the temple. They brought the Ten Commandments, the original Ten Commandments of Moses, the, those ancient stones, and entered them into the temple. And, and the Ark of the Covenant, right? The Ark of the Covenant um, from Raiders of the Lost Ark fame, brought the Ark of the Covenant into the temple, back into the Holy of Holies behind the curtain where God dwelt. Big deal. But now Jesus enters the second temple. The Ten Commandments were destroyed when the first temple was destroyed. Ark of the Covenant never been found. So, there was no Ten Commandments to bring into the second temple. There were no Ark of the Covenant to bring into the temple. There was no presence of God to bring into the second temple. And so now God is entering the second temple. Now that's important. Now remember the lid of the Ark of the Covenant? It was called the mercy seat, and that's where the high priest would make a sacrifice of an animal and take the blood of the animal and pour it on the mercy seat, on the lid of the Ark of the Covenant. Well, Jesus is now our mercy seat. He would be the one whose blood was shed for us. And through His blood, we receive mercy. Through His blood, we receive forgiveness of sins. And Christ is our true prophet, As that word of God's law, speaks to our heart that we're sinners and calls us to repentance, and that word of God assures us and brings us comfort that our sins are gone. Then we turn to the epistle lesson. And we learn from Hebrews that Christ is our great high priest. Prophet, priest, and king supreme. Do you remember what the Old Testament priests did in the temple? They were in charge of the whole priesthood. They were in charge of all the other priests, the head priest. And they were responsible for worship. They were responsible for overseeing all the sacrifices that pointed to Christ's eventual Sacrifice on the cross. And in short, the high priest was the go between. He was the link between an angry and vengeful, wrathful God and a people steeped in sin and unbelief. The high priest joined sinners to God. On this day, Mary and Joseph brought an offering. Into the temple for the high priest, and they brought two turtle doves or two pigeons, one or the other. And, and Mary and Joseph today, on this day, were offering so much more. They were bringing our high priest Jesus into the temple, the final high priest, the final sacrifice, the ultimate sacrifice for sin, the final go between. And Jesus stands between a vengeful, wrathful God. And sinners steeped in sin, and He joins them together as one. And He makes us a holy priesthood. And He's in charge of all of us. And that's why Peter wrote, like living stones, you are being built up into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood and to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Christ. So you're the priesthood, offering your body as a sacrifice to the Lord. But you were a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. You know, no wonder our text says, Since all of these sons of daughters have flesh and blood, Jesus took on flesh and blood to be like them. He did this so that by dying he would destroy the one who had the power over death, that is the devil. Jesus, as our high priest, took on human flesh to remove the deadly curse of sin, and he became the ultimate sacrifice. The Collect, which is the the special prayer for this day, says that Jesus was presented before the Lord on the 40th day after his birth in the substance of our flesh. So we may be presented unto God with pure and clean hearts. And so he's crucified for us to give us salvation. He was laid in the tomb to lay aside our sins. He was raised again that we might be raised up to God. And finally, he's enthroned as our great high priest. And he continually is interceding for us, especially when we're in need. In our gospel lesson, then, we see Christ as our king. The law of Moses did not require every boy to come into the temple to be circumcised, uh, to be presented before the Lord, only the firstborn son, the first one out of the mother's womb. That firstborn son was privileged. This firstborn son, when his father died, got to receive a double inheritance from all the other children. The firstborn son carried the father's name, the name of the household. He represented his father. Now think about that. I want you to think of all the firstborn in the Old Testament and think about how they got along. Think about this, how this double inheritance caused problems because greed does that, you know. When, when one member of the family gets double what everybody else gets, causes problems. And you remember how Cain hated Abel? Now maybe you understand. Remember when why Jacob stole Esau's inheritance? Now maybe you understand. Well the Bible tells us that Christ is the firstborn of our heavenly Father. He has a double inheritance of life and salvation to give to his family. Colossians says that Jesus is the firstborn of all creation. Revelation says Jesus is the firstborn of the dead. 1 Corinthians, the resurrection, chapter 15, says that Jesus is the firstborn of those who have fallen asleep. No wonder King Herod tried to kill this baby. He is a king of kings. No wonder he's threatened by his birth. But God, in a twist of irony and in a divine sense of humor, sends his son to enter into this temple that King Herod had just spent spent tons of money refurbishing. And the king steps in to reclaim it. As king, God the Father gives Jesus his inheritance of eternal life, And Christ shares that inheritance with his family, with the priesthood, because he's in charge of the whole priesthood. And he shares that inheritance through holy baptism. And it's right here in the waters of holy baptism that that your sins were washed away and God claimed you, you, to be his child. And you become an heir. You become an heir of an inheritance. You become an heir of the heavenly kingdom, and we inherit all the treasures of eternal life. All of them Jesus shares with us. And through baptism we are then presented to the Lord, clean of heart and pure of mind. Holy children of God. And we're robed in the righteousness of Christ and we receive a place at His heavenly banquet table. Just think of it. you know, Living like royalty is something that most people just dream of. They're, they're never going to accomplish that. But with Jesus Christ as our, as our King, He's made us members of His kingdom, and we are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession. Well, today is the day that Jesus entered into His temple for you. He entered the holy temple to make your body the temple of God. To dwell in you. And that's why Paul wrote, Do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you? You're not your own. You were bought with a price. So glorify God with your body. During the Middle Ages, the temple church considered this to be one of the main festivals of the church year. And so they had a custom where they would enter with candles into the church on this day. And everybody would light their candles for the whole service, kind of like Christmas Eve. Epiphany is the season of light. Christ comes to our dark souls, and in the season of light, it's our time to proclaim that Christ is our light. It's our time to proclaim that Christ has come into this dark vessel, this dark vessel of sin, and has implanted His light into this temple. And He presents this temple to the Lord as holy and pure and righteous. He is our prophet. He speaks life into our sin day souls. He is our priest, our high priest. His sacrifices enables you to be the temple of God. God lives in you. And He is our King as He rules in our hearts. He comes to you in His Lord's Supper that you might participate, that the temple of God, you, might participate in the body of Christ, that you, the temple of God, might step in and participate in the blood of God, in the blood of Christ. And we participate here at the rail, and He makes us one body, His temple. And we participate in all that. This promise is yours. The reality is yours. Now and forever. Indeed, Jesus is prophet, prophet, priest and king supreme amen and now may this uh, uh, keep your hearts and minds in christ jesus into the life everlasting amen